Peace and blessings be upon you. Welcome to the Ta'lif Podcast, a space where we aim to provide content and connect our spiritual hearts with community, love, service, and prophetic wisdom. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad al-fatihi dhima uglik wa khatimi dhima sabaq. Nasr al-haqi bil-haqi wal-hadi ila siratika mustaqim wa ala alihi haqqa qadirihi wa miqdarihi al-adheem. O Allah, we ask you to send your blessings upon our master Muhammad, the opener of what was closed and the seal of what came before him, champion of the truth by the truth and guide to the straight path, and upon his family and companions as is befitting his noble rank. Ameen. Allahumma ya kareem akramna bi nur fahm wa akhrajna min dhulumat al-wahm wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah O Allah the noble the generous we ask you to ennoble us with the light of understanding and to remove us from the shadows of illusion and there is no power nor might except through God amen Last week we were talking about Allah and really what last week and this week are is like the introduction to the shahada our testimony of faith la ilaha illallah muhammad rasulullah that there is nothing worthy of worship except for god and that muhammad is the messenger of god so last week we talked about allah this week we're going to talk about muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and you know last week we we introduced this idea that Islam is radical monotheism and this is really what makes it unique that even while there are other monotheistic traditions out there what makes Islam unique amongst the monotheistic traditions is its insistence not only that we should worship only one god not only that there is like this one deity that is deserving of our praise and our obedience and our worship but that there is nothing else that we could rightfully worship except for god and god alone god without partners and i mentioned that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that the best thing that i or the prophets before me have ever said is la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika la there's nothing worthy of worship except god alone and without partner so from the outside it might seem somewhat ironic that in our testimony of faith like this is our creed what defines us as muslims that there are two figures mentioned god is one of them and then the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam sallallahu alaihi wasallam by the way means peace and blessings be upon him um and if you don't know it's like you know just our way of honoring the prophet and i'm going to talk a little bit about that in today's class but this is interesting right um how is it that we are radical monotheists and yet our creed our testimony of faith also mentions muhammad what what does that mean um so really i want to talk about who the prophet muhammad is peace be upon him and what his importance is to us as muslims and why is belief in him 
and his mission as a prophet, like a condition of being a Muslim. It's not just the faith that there's nothing worthy of worship as God. It's also the affirmation that Muhammad is his messenger. Um, so let's look at his title, Rasulullah. Rasulullah. This means the messenger of God. The messenger of God. And in Arabic, it's the possessive form. He is God's messenger. He belongs to God. So immediately in the way that he is named, his title, the primary title that we, we have for him, he is connected to God. He is attached to God. And, you know, as, as I was thinking of like really how to explain this tonight, I came up with like the corniest example, and I'm sorry, but I think it kind of works. Um, you know, uh, it's the movie 300. <laughs> I don't know if you guys, have, probably you guys have seen 300. Maybe many of you ladies haven't, because like, why would you? It's a bunch of like dudes with six packs fighting a bunch of other dudes with six packs. Um, but in the beginning of the movie 300, and this movie is about uh, ancient Sparta, which is a, an ancient Greek city-state that was being attacked by the Persian Empire. The Persian emperor, Xerxes, he sends his messenger to Sparta. And his messenger says to the Spartans, we're coming. We are going to absorb you into our empire. Either you can lay down your weapons and accept this, and you'll be greatly rewarded for doing this, or we'll just completely annihilate you, right? And King Leonidas, the, the famous leader of the Spartans, he kills the messenger. And this was considered an act of war, right? He didn't, he didn't even say, like, no, we're not going to, like, uh, submit to the Persians. We're not going to do this. No, he just killed the messenger. And it was understood that his reaction to the emperor's messenger was his reaction to the emperor himself, right? Because the messenger belonged to the emperor, right? So there, you know, we don't do messengers. I mean, we have like iMessage nowadays. So maybe it's like an example that like has to be drawn out just a little bit. But like when you think like you live in an age where if you want to get a message to someone, you have to send a messenger. That messenger is going to be the representative of the person sending the message and how you treat them, uh, how you receive them is going to be indicative of your response to the one sending the message, right? And usually like the messengers that are sent are like the best of the best. They're going as messengers, they are going to be incredibly eloquent, they are going to be skilled in rhetoric. They're going to be persuasive. They're going to be skilled at delivering the message. So in response to that question that I posed at the beginning, like why is the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam a part of our faith, right? It's because he is connected to God. And through that relationship that he and God have, you know, we... Uh, we affirm that relationship and how we sort of understand the prophet, react to the prophet, that really determines our relationship to God. And I'll get more into like what exactly I mean by that. 
um, in a minute. But what I also want to touch on here at the very beginning is that if a message is going to be received, right, it has to come from someone that has credibility, that has social capital with the people that he is delivering the message to. And so the Prophet Muhammad, before he was the Prophet Muhammad, you know, he was a person in his society in 7th century Mecca who was already known amongst his people as Alameen, which means like the trustworthy one, the honest one, like the one that you can count on to always be truthful and do right by you. So he was this person in that society that people used to leave their money with if they were going to travel for a long time. They, they would take it to his house and say, please watch over my money, knowing that when they returned, there wouldn't be a cent missing from what they had left with him. They, he was the one that was entrusted when, this, do you guys know about the black stone that's in the, the Kaaba, the, the big cube-shaped building that's still in Mecca today? Um, that in one corner of that building, there's a black stone, and it's been there for centuries, if not millennia. And it was, uh, it fell out of the Kaaba at one point. And it became this point of contention amongst the different clans of the Quraysh, like who's going to have the honor of restoring its place in the Kaaba. And they delegated this decision to Muhammad. They said, he'll come up with the right answer for us, something that we can all agree upon because he's Alameen. He has this capital with us, right? And his decision was, well, we're gonna get four people from four different clans to like hold a, a, a sheet basically that will carry the black stone up to the Kaaba, right? So that many people, many groups of people could be honored in this task. And that was very satisfying to them. So when we're talking about the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we have to really look at him from the standpoint of, okay, what is it about him? Like if you're brand new to this religion, what is it about him that is going to build that capital with me? Like, what do I respect? What, uh, what really uh, do I value? What, what do I consider to be highly principled and virtuous? And so then that is what you seek out. And this is gonna be different for everyone. But, you know, some people like really value um, different qualities in people like honesty or bravery or tenderness with loved ones, whatever it is, you know, when, when we get to the chapter, especially like this is just the introduction to the prophet, we're going to do a whole chapter on his life and his character, like the way that you attempt to understand who he is and hopefully start to love him is you, you look for those things that are important to you. And I guarantee you that he has them. That's the beautiful thing about him, is that whatever um, really, like when you get around some people, you know, some people just have these qualities that like make your heart come alive, right? Whatever it is, I guarantee you, he has those qualities. And so this is why he is the prophet to all of mankind, because there is something in him, there is something about him 
that speaks to absolutely everyone. And so we'll have to, you know, just put a bookmark on that for now and get to it uh, at a later point in the class. But what we want to do with the Prophet وسلم, is to cultivate a relationship of love with him, right? And I've been talking a lot in the past few weeks about the heart, right? The heart is that place where if we can get in touch with it, it will point us directly to God, right? The Prophet وسلم, says that there is in the body a piece of flesh. And if that piece of flesh becomes sound, then the whole body becomes sound. But if it is corrupted, then the whole body becomes corrupted. And that piece of flesh is the heart, right? The heart is where we meet God. God tells us this. Um, and love is really like one of the greatest things that comes out of our heart. And because we are on this path of trying to draw nearer to our Lord, right? We are on a path where ultimately we want to get to the point where not only do we love God, but we love what God loves, right? And the Prophet Muhammad is the most beloved created thing in all of the universe to God. And so through that relationship of loving the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, that that is one of our paths to God himself. And there is a story about this, um, and I love this story. Um, this is a story about Omar, and I also love Omar. He's one of my favorite companions. Omar um, was walking with the messenger of God one day, and he turned to him and he said, By Allah, I love you, O messenger of God. And the prophet asked him, More than your children, O Omar? And Omar replied, yes, O Messenger of God, more than my children. And the Prophet asked, more than your money, O Omar? And Omar responded, yes, more than my money. And then he asked, more than yourself, O Omar? And Omar said, no, Messenger of Allah, I do not love you more than myself. Now, like, this, is like, this is one of my favorite hadith, because there's so much in it. Um, and one of the things that like has to be noted that is that like this is the relationship between a student and a teacher. This is the relationship between a student and a teacher. Omar, like we talked about social capital. Think about the capital that the prophet had to have with Omar for him to respond honestly in that moment, right? Like. You could imagine that you're standing with the messenger of God, the last and final prophet that God is sending to earth, the greatest of the prophets, the most beloved creation of God, and he asks you, do you love me more than yourself? It would probably be pretty tempting to just fudge the truth a little bit and say, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, of course, of course I do. But Omar was honest, and that is a condition of a student-teacher relationship. If you are going to guide people along the path to God, you have to build trust with them. Otherwise, they won't be able to grow. There won't be any guidance that you can actually deliver to them. The second thing that he does here 
is he takes Omar up to that point of failure, which is what any good teacher does, right? You're trying to push your student to their limit so that you can see where that limit is. And then, you know, you, you back off a little bit and you just let them know, like, this is what you have to work on. And that's exactly what the prophet does with them. He says, in Arabic, he says, We translate this in English, like it's such a long sentence that we translate out of this. Um, he says, oh, Omar, your faith will never be complete until you love me more than yourself. Um, but literally what means is, well, there's, there's some deficiency in it, like, meaning your faith. There's just, it's, not, it's not like you lack faith, but there's some deficiency in it. And so, again, like, he's leading him up to that point of failure. He's saying, like, this is what you have to work on. And he is honest in return with Omar. He doesn't say, well, okay, no big deal. Like, you know, it's, if you don't love me more than yourself, I understand that. I mean, you like, you know, if you don't stand up for yourself, like, who's going to stand up for you, right? No, he's honest with him. He's letting him know, this is a part of faith. This is a part of faith, to love me. And really, to love me above all other things. So, the hadith continues. To rectify this, Omar briefly isolated himself. And when he returned, he stood in the center of the masjid and proclaimed, O oh, Messenger of Allah, now I love you more than myself. And the Prophet replied, Now, O oh, Omar, now, O oh, Omar. Meaning like, now, now you have perfected your faith. And it was at this moment that he loved the Prophet over himself and his faith became complete. I love this part of it because it's like a romantic comedy. It's like, you know, when, when Harry met Sally, it's like Harry's like been friends with Sally forever. And, you know, he like, he has this like epiphany. It's like, no, like you're, and he's like dating all these women. He's like, no, you're the one I've been looking for this entire time. And he like runs to her and like confesses his love. Like this is what Omar's doing. He like bursts into the masjid. And he's like, oh, messenger of Allah, I love you more than myself now. It's really beautiful. But people asked Omar, uh, like, what did you do to increase your love for the messenger of God in such a short period of time? And he said, I asked myself, who did I need more, myself or the messenger of God? And I found that I needed the prophet more. I will not intercede for myself on the day of judgment, but the messenger of God will. My deeds will not place me at the highest of levels, but my love for the prophet will. I did not take myself from the darkness into the light, but the messenger of God did. Accordingly, the love of the prophet deepened in my heart as compared to my love for myself. And again, like, you know, maybe we're not all there yet. And the point of reading this hadith is not saying, like, you got to get there right now, hurry up. The point is saying, like, yeah, this is a process. This is something that takes time. This is something that the greatest of companions of the messenger of God had to work on, right? But we are shown what the standard is so that hopefully we know what direction we ought to head in. There's another hadith. And I think I just said the last one is one of my favorites. This is also one of my favorites. A man asked the Prophet وسلم, about the day of judgment, saying, when will the hour be? And the Prophet وسلم, said, what have you prepared for it? Which is like, so 
the messenger of God. <laughs> it's like, it's so typical of him. Like you're thinking about all these like far off things. Like what are, what are you doing right here and now to prepare for that moment? And again, we see profound honesty from the prophet's companions. He said, not much. Like what have I prepared for the last hour? Not much. Except that I love Allah and his messenger. And the prophet responded to him, you will be with those whom you love. And this was done in a gathering, this interaction. And it said, we had never been so glad as we were upon hearing the saying of the prophet that we will be with the one whom we love. So again, the heart is uh, a profound thing. It's a profound gift, really, that God has given us such that it not only, you know, creates these ties of friendship and romance and all these things that we enjoy in this world, it creates the ties that will bind us together in the next as well. So loving the prophet is our path as Muslims. It, it's 100% baked in to being a Muslim. Okay, so, but this is a class for like people who are new to Islam. So perhaps you're saying to yourself, oh, I don't know anything about the Prophet. Um, why should I love him? Um, and my answer to that is that one of his other titles, I mentioned that he's the messenger of God. Another of his titles is Rahmatun lil Alameen, that he is a mercy unto all the worlds that in his example and in his existence, really, what we find again and again, like if you read about his life, if you read about his character, is profound mercy. And if you start to learn about him, like this is my guarantee to everyone in this room, that if you start to learn about him, what you're going to find again and again uh, is example of mercy after example of mercy. And so, going back to the heart, what does mercy do to the heart? It melts it, right? Like, you don't have to, like, take my word for, like, everything that I'm telling you about him here tonight. You can start reading about him. And you will see things that will melt your heart. And you'll realize what, whatever there is in him, like, I want some of that. And like, I'll just tell you about an example from, you know, my own journey, really like the moment I became a Muslim, like not the moment I said my Shahada, but the moment where I was like, okay, I get it. Like I'm whatever it is that he's about, like I'm a part of that. And I was Christian previously and, you know, uh, was and am a great lover of Jesus peace be upon him. And I was reading about the Prophet Muhammad and, you know, so much of his life at first glance to me was just so profoundly different from Jesus, who was unmarried, who did not have to take on the mantle of any sort of like political power, who did not like engage in like worldly affairs like 
trade. Like the Prophet was a merchant. He traveled to Syria to like trade goods and bring back to Mecca. Like they seem so different to me. And I was reading a story about the Battle of Uhud, which is one of the battles that after the Muslims immigrated to Medina ensued in the outskirts of Medina because the Meccans continuously like pursued them there in an attempt to sort of wipe them out. And this was the battle that did not go so well for the Muslims, right? The first battle was Badr, like great success. Like everyone was like elated at the end of it. Like it went really, really well. Uhud, um, you know, many people say that the Muslims lost. Others say it was like a draw sort of, but in any case, it did not go well. And the Prophet was injured quite severely uh, during this battle, he was struck on the face and uh, his incisor was actually broken. And so he's bleeding profusely from his mouth. He got separated from his companions at this point. And when his companions finally found him, they found him cupping the blood that was pouring out of his mouth. And they asked him like, what are you doing? I mean, this is like, it's, it's the middle of a battle, right? Like there's arrows flying around. There's like people running around with swords and you're standing here like cupping the blood that's falling out of your mouth. And he said, if this blood were to hit the ground, the earth would cry up to God to destroy the people who did this to me. And this is a reality of the beloved of God, right? The, the creation, the creation longed for him. And there are stories about that. I won't go into them, so, so I can stick to this story. But, um, you know, the companions heard this and they were like, well, we're losing. So, you know, like maybe just let the blood hit the ground, right? Like, let's destroy our enemies. And he said to them, I did not come to be a trial for my people. I came as a mercy. And I was, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And I was like, oh, I get it. Like, he's like Jesus, right? Like, he's, he's that prince of peace, you might say, right? Yes, he was at war, but like, he exhibited profound care and mercy for the people who were trying to kill him and his followers in a moment where, you know, I would imagine, like any one of us, we, we would not have felt that level of compassion for the people who were after us. But he did in that moment. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. He's a prophet. Like, he's, he's like the other prophets that I learned about growing up. I know who he is. And I was like, okay, you know, to me, to me, this seems like even a step beyond Jesus, alayhi salam, because Jesus never went into battle. He never had his, uh, you know, his patience and his forbearance tested at this level. And yet here is this man acting Christ-like in the heat of battle. And so I bet you everyone has a story like this. Whether you've heard it yet or not, everyone has a story that is like this, a story where you will have this moment of recognition. Like this man claimed to be a mercy unto all the worlds, and indeed it is true. Indeed it is true. The other thing about the Prophet is that for those of us, which I think is all of us here, um, who are attempting to draw nearer to God, 
um, we, you know, we may have our own ideas about what that means. And oftentimes those are very good ideas. In fact, I would say the majority of the time, those are very good ideas because again, we all have a heart and our hearts all connected to God. When you listen to your heart, like you 99.999% of the time, you're not going to go wrong. Right. But we also get incorrect ideas about what it means to walk this path, what it means to live a life of devotion to God, what it means to draw nearer to God. And the beautiful thing about the prophet Sunnah, which is his example, is that it serves as a corrective for those moments when we get the wrong idea about what that means. And I'll give you an example. There is a hadith uh, narration about uh, the prophet uh, where Anas ibn Malik reports, we entered into the house of Abu Saif along with the messenger of God, peace and blessings be upon him, who was the husband of Ibrahim's net worse, wet nurse. So Ibrahim was his son, the prophet's son. He named him Ibrahim after the prophet Abraham. And he was going to visit Ibrahim's wet nurse, like the woman who was nursing him. And the prophet took a hold of Ibrahim, kissed him, and he smelled him. Why was he doing this? Because Ibrahim was dying. His son was dying. Then we entered after that as Ibrahim was breathing his last breaths. And it made the tears of the prophet, or the eyes of the prophet, shed tears. Abdurrahman ibn Auf, one of the companions, said, Even you, O Messenger of Allah, meaning like you're crying? Like, why are you crying? Now, let me ask you guys this. Why do you think someone would ask him that in that moment? My interpretation of that is like, no one has greater faith than the messenger of God. And doesn't faith mean that like, we, we believe that everything comes from God and ultimately like everything is good? So like, why would you cry? Right? So this companion, Abdurrahman, he had an incorrect understanding of what faith meant. Right? Because the prophet was crying. <laughs> like that, that's the reality of the situation. He was crying. And he responded to him. He said, Oh, Ibn Alf, this is a mercy. And in another narration, he said, These are the tears of a lover for his beloved. Right? Meaning, like, no, it's, it, it, it by no means diminishes your faith in God to cry when a loved one passes. Even if like you absolutely have faith that you will see them again and that that will be a joyous reunion and that like you know you're the one who has to persist in this world of hardships and now like they're they're in a better place. Right? Even if you believe all of that and you have that certainty in your heart to shed tears is not a sign of weakness. Certainly not a weakness of faith. Not by any means. But this is what the sunnah of the prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, does for us. Because sometimes we do get these notions. And I would say, you know, like as someone who like came into this religion and, you know, you, you have this zeal and you're like, I'm going to do it all, right? 
I, I'm going to like, I'm going to fast every day. And we, there were companions who said, I'm going to fast every day. And the prophet said, no, don't fast every day, right? Your body has rights over you. Don't push yourself to these extremes. There, there were companions who said, I, I'm not going to get married because I'm just going to devote my life solely to God. And the prophet would tell them, no, get married. Like, we're not monks. That's literally what he said. Like, we're not monks. Like, we get married. That is a part of our spiritual path. Like, you've got it a little bit twisted, right? So sometimes out of our zeal or out of like an incorrect notion of what it means to have faith or to serve God, you know, we get it wrong. And that's okay. But that is why we have his example. It can serve as a corrective. And when we get off course, it puts us back on course. The more that we learn about him, the more that we learn how to go straight to God. Straight to God. He shows us what faith looks like in practice. And the thing, again, that you'll notice is like, okay, I, I can weep for my loved ones. I can feed food to my body. I can get married. Whatever the case may be, the answer is always more merciful. <laughs> It's, it's never like, no, you have to be harder on yourself. You have to be strict, right? The Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it is well known. He would always take the easiest choice. He would always take the easiest choice because what he brought was intended to be a mercy. It was not intended to be a hardship. And then finally, um, like, why should we love him? Um, I mentioned this already, but God loves him. God loves him. And, um, you know, we can think about this in terms of like our relationships in this world, right? Like my wife has friends that I would never like independently hang out with and like choose to be with of my own accord. And that's no slight to them like whatsoever. It's just like, you know, you click with some people and other people you don't immediately click with. But I love her friends. Why? Because I love her, right? And it's through my love of her that her friend, and it's not fake, it's not just like I'm being cordial. No, like love actually cultivated in my heart for her friends for no other reason than the fact that she loves them, right? So, if we love God, we will get to a point, if we're not there yet, where we love the ones that God loves, right? And this doesn't just apply to the prophet, obviously. Like, you meet people, and it's, like, very clear that God loves them. Because, like, you, you know, your own heart opens up around them. Like, just looking at them, you remember God. You want to do better. You feel safe. You feel secure. You feel a sense of peace that just sort of, like, envelops you when you're in their presence. There are people like this, right? And you love them because it's clear that God loves them. You can't help but love them because it's clear that God loves them. And if for nothing else, we know that when it comes to the companions, right, they loved him. They had this relationship with him, right? It said that like no one would ever go to visit the prophet except that they felt more uplifted when they left. That like just a burden was taken off of them by the time that they left his presence. That when people were interacting with him, they felt as if they were the only person in the world. 
And this manifested in all kinds of different ways. Like when he would talk to a person, he would turn his whole body towards them. He would never just like lean over and, you know, talk like many of us do, like I do, honestly. Um, he, he made you feel. And like there, there's a story of a companion, Amr, who went to him. He was like convinced, like, I'm his favorite. Clearly, I'm his favorite. I can tell by the way he treats me when we're together that I'm his favorite. And so Amr actually went to him one day and said, who's your favorite? And the prophet said, Aisha, my wife. And Amr was like, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Like, obviously, you're your wife. Like, what about the men? And he said, Abu Bakr, uh, Aisha's father. And Amr kept asking, like, well, okay, well, who next? Clearly, I'm coming up on this list. And it's like, it got to the point, like, he asked again and again and again until he realized, like, I'm so far down the list, I wish I had never asked. Because again, like the prophet was not a liar. Like he would not tell people a falsehood just to make them feel better. He was honest, right? But when you were with him, you were convinced like, ah, he, he loves me more than everyone else. That's how he was with people. So we love him because God loves him. And there's a profound secret in this. God says in the Quran, in Allah wa malaikatuhu yusaluna ala nabi. That God and his angels send their salawat, their, uh, this is a complex word, but their, their blessings, their greetings, they send these upon the prophet. O you who believe, send your salawat upon him abundantly. So this is the, basically the tool that God gives us. Like, if you want to love the one that I love, do this and your love for him will increase. And there's a profound secret in this verse. God is informing us that there is this thing that I do and that my angels do and that you also get to do. Think about that. Like, what else can we do in this life that God also does, that his angels also do. That's the only thing that God ever informed us of that is that special, right? So God is instructing us, cultivate that sense of love for the prophet in your heart. I'll read another hadith and then we'll end, inshallah. Um, and this is about salawat. This is about sending those salutations and those blessings upon the Prophet. It says, I entered the mosque and I saw the Messenger of God leaving. I followed him, walking after him, without him noticing me. Shortly afterwards, he went into a palm grove and turned towards the Qibla, which is the direction of prayer. It's this way, where we are now. And he prostrated. And his prostration lasted for such a long time that from behind, I began to wonder if God had caused him to die. So I approached him and bent down and took a look at his face. And he raised his head and he said, what's the matter, Abdurrahman, who's the companion who followed him? What's the matter? And he said, oh, messenger of God, when you made such a long prostration, I feared that God, may he be glorified, had taken your soul. And so I came to look. And the prophet said, when you saw me enter the palm grove, I met Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, who said to me, 
I bring you good news. Indeed, God, may he be exalted, says to you, he who greets you, the one who sends salawat upon you, him shall I greet with peace. He who blesses you, him shall I bless. So this relationship with God is intimately tied up with our relationship with the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That, and, that, and there's the answer to that question I posed earlier. Why do I say, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, peace and blessings be upon him, right? Because I want to stoke that love in my heart for him. And because God promised that when you do that, when you send the salawat upon the prophet, God sends those back upon you. That it's like this virtuous cycle, this beautiful circle that gets going where God blesses you and it makes you want to bless the prophet more. And because you bless the prophet more, God blesses you more. And it's a beautiful thing. So there, obviously, I, there's so much we could say about the messenger of God, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is just an introduction. Uh, there will be more, God willing. But um, when it comes to like who he is and why he's mentioned in our testimony of faith, um, this is what it's all about, inshallah. Uh, it goes back to that thing of the heart that I mentioned, right? We, uh, we love the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him. And loving him is part of the path to God. Alhamdulillah. So, jazakumallah khair. Thank you all for, for listening. A'udhu billahi minashaitan ar-rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Wal asr inna l-insana lafi khusr. إلى الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين. Thank you for tuning in. Please consider becoming a monthly sustainer by joining 1,000 Hearts of Ta'lif and committing to give $3 a day to keep this work coming to seekers, youth, and newcomers to Islam. Sign up today at www.ta'lifcollective.org forward slash donate. We hope you enjoyed the variety of sessions available and hope you benefit immensely. Allah bless you and Allah bless your loved ones.